is the Media Boat Podcast. This is episode 141. Yeah, that's right. 141. It is Wednesday, so we are live uh, on YouTube.com. If you're watching right now, our channel on YouTube, MediaBoatPodcast.com. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do. We are live every Wednesday night, and it's Wednesday. So let's get the show rolling. The Media Boat Podcast is your source for news about movies. Television, video games, and music, along with our thoughts about uh, those things as well. We have some thoughts for you this week. We do. T- today. We have tonight. some things to talk about today. Yeah. Um, my name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. We've got a lot of stuff to get through. Uh, we a lot of, um, we got two TV shows to review and yeah. two music soundtracks to review. A lot of TV, a lot of music. But um, before we get to all of that, we got to start with movies. We always start with movies, and we always start movies with the box office numbers. We begin here with a new number one that we predicted easily. Yep. The number one movie this week is The Predator, making a $24.6 million debut, which is kind of low. We'll get to that in a bit. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Elsewhere in your top five this week, The Nun sticks around, dropping to number two at $18 million. A Simple Favor is your number three movie with $16 million. That was a debut this week. Yes, that was a debut. These yeah. were all debuts except, except for... The Nun. The Nun was the Nun. number one last week. Yeah. Uh, White Boy Rick, uh, number four, with $8.8 million. And also returning to the top five, at number five, Crazy Rich Asians. With yes. another $8 million adding to its $150 million total. Yay! Doing well. Congratulations, Crazy Rich Asians. Asians and uh, the printer uh, for your number one movie there. Yep. Uh, oh. Coming this Friday. What do we got this week? We Anything have first. Uh, we have uh, uh, three movies, uh, uh, varying in um, hype. I guess. Varying in hype. <laughs> the first one is Fahrenheit eleven nine. Oh yes, documentary hype. Correct. Yes. Is this Michael Moore? This is Michael Moore. Okay. Is this kind of like a spiritual sequel, I guess, to Fahrenheit nine eleven? Yes. Okay. And uh, eleven nine. What's significant about the date eleven nine? Trump. Uh, yes, it's reversed for Trump. Okay. Um, I was listening to a podcast. This is relevant to me. Um, yes. I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about, I guess, there was some sort of appearance. Well, first of all, did you know that Roseanne had a talk show in the 90s? Yes. I didn't know that. Well, well she did. And apparently there was one time where she had Donald Trump and Michael Moore on as guests on the same, ish- uh, same episode. <laughs> same episode. Yeah. Weird foretelling the future, and Trump says something about how he enjoyed his one of his uh, documentaries, and then he goes, "I just hope he doesn't make one about me someday." And then they have this awkward laugh, the three of them <laughs> together, and I was just like, <laughs> "That's funny." Because <laughs> now, oh <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, what specifically is this about? Uh, the fall of the Republican. And the Republic, and democracy, <laughs> and Michael Moore. Okay, all right. So you, you don't know? No, you're telling me it's okay. Michael Moore being Michael Moore. <laughs> yes, the yelling, answer is you do not people. know. It's a Michael Moore documentary. It's what you think it is. Then. It's, yeah. Also, this week, the house with the clock in its walls. That's the Jack Black weird. Yes, this is fantasy kids thing. Yes, this is the Jack Black. I'm living in a spooky house that's uh-huh. haunted. That is not Goosebumps. But it sure looks like it's Goosebumps. It does look Man, like Goosebumps. That thing looks like Goosebumps. Well, so that's the thing. 
if you want to see that. And lastly, we have Life Itself. Uh, we have Life Itself, parentheses, 2018. This is not to be confused with the documentary about Roger Ebert. No. Or the book about Roger Ebert. No, this is just a movie called Life Itself. Can you talk about what this is? Uh, this is a new film by... No, not a new film. Um, this one of those artsy films. Okay. One of those. Yes. I want to... I don't want to get this wrong, so I'm not going to say anything about it. I just feel that's what we're going to release stuff. All right. Well, I saw a trailer for it. didn't really tell me much. To, to, to oh, no. The trailer tell you nothing about me. it either. Yeah, so I have no idea. Yeah. All right. Let's move on then. Those are your new releases. So that means I throw it to you. Did you see any movies this week? Oh, I did. You did? Not. Oh. I'm still in a movie hiatus because yeah. clearly nothing good has come out. Also, video games came out and kind of took over our time. Yeah, they did. Along with TV. TV's coming TV's back. TV's coming back. Starting basically this week. I know. We're going to get to TV later. Oh, but yeah. first, uh, we do have some box office milestones to get to in the quick section of, I guess we're going to call this The Bits. I, I guess, but what All that right, means box is office that we're bits. going into... Box office bits. Well, what that means is we're going into movie news now. We are yeah. done with that. So let's move into movie news. Our first bit is a little bit of box office trivia. Uh, so yeah, The Predator may have opened at number one, but guess what it is setting records for? Not being number one. Eh, or no. not, at least not the best records it could Definitely set. not. No, it is setting the record for the worst live action film opening for a major release, major release of 4,000 or more theaters. A record previously held by The Mummy, which only opened to $31 million. Right, that was Tom Cruise's The Mummy. And I remember when we were talking about that being a bomb. Is this a bigger bomb? It's, technically, this makes it a bigger bomb. The biggest bomb. Yes. Well, for live action, I guess. Uh, also, uh, uh, setting records, or at least making waves this week, is The Meg. You know, Mega Sharks, they're huge, they make waves. Yes. And t t Tell me about Digital Jaws. And Hotel Transylvania 3, both crossed the $500 million hey. uh, worldwide. Okay, worldwide. Week. That's worldwide. Not, definitely not domestic. Neither no. of them made that much money. <laughs> uh, but worldwide, yeah, both of them crossed the 500 line today. So label week. the Meg as a hit? I guess, and yes. Hotel Chess and his Day 3 is a hit. That is a franchise place. It is. It's uh, their, it's their new um, uh, Ice Age. You know how yeah. Ice Age inexplicably made money every time? Yeah. This is like that. Well, it's Adam Sandler comedy. Yeah. Um, I guess it works. I mean, you don't have you don't show Adam Sandler, so I guess that's the bonus you get. It doesn't, have, that get. <laughs> doesn't yeah. have the Adam Sandler stigma while still having Adam Sandler. Right. But uh, as I did note when I did my review of it, or my thoughts on it, um, it's a good family-friendly movie. I enjoyed it. Yes, I remember you said you liked it. Uh, so yeah, good for those two. Also, Mission Impossible Fallout is now the highest grossing domestic release this year. With $216 million. Talking uh, the 2000 release of... Oh, sorry, no, no, not this year. Not this year. That, that's of all the Mission Impossible franchises. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, 216 is low for this year. Yeah. Sorry. Avengers made that in its opening weekend. That is weekend. not how this is written. <laughs> uh, that's not how this is written at all. Okay, so yes, Mission Impossible Fallout is the highest grossing domestic release of its franchise. Yes. Uh, with $216 million, topping the 2000 release of Mission Impossible 2, which had the previous record of 215 for the franchise. So yeah, um, best uh, performing Mission Impossible yet. I think they'll make another one of those. Just throwing that out. I don't know. They, they, they kind of wrapped up this set of trilogies. They'll make another 
I know they'll make another one. As long as Tom Cruise <laughs> will do his own stunts, right. they'll make another one. As long as, yeah. It also, uh, this week, uh, crossed the $760 million uh, line worldwide. Uh, congratulations. Uh, that is money in the bank. Yes. All right. Let's move out of the box office and talk about giant theaters. Okay. So, how big are we talking about here? I'm talking about, you know, like a big screen theater. I'm talking about bigger. I'm talking about a huge screen theater. Like panoramic? I'm talking about large format theaters. Like 70 millimeter print format? I'm talking about IMAX. All right. Let's talk about LIMAX. I'm sorry. IMAX. Yes, IMAX. IMAX. CEO. IMAX. UMAX. WeMAX. All right. Uh, IMAX CEO Richard Gelfond says he's in active discussions with every streaming service out there about potential IMAX releases. He says, quote, we may be looking at more than just a Netflix-IMAX partnership, but a team-up between the large screen exhibitor and every streaming device out there. Uh, Gelfand called out the fact that many of the streaming service's original films are lacking an opening day, as we discussed last week, and applied that IMAX, implied that IMAX was the best way to cut through the clutter of the entertainment marketplace, saying the number one to event size, the size of a movie, is an IMAX. So, both Netflix and Amazon are flirting with the idea of buying their own theaters, meanwhile, as a way to cut out the middleman and distribute original films to audiences in a theatrical environment. Is this where these two things meet together? Yes. This is where streaming goes for a same weekend opening yeah. in hopes of getting some box office money. This is what we were talking about last week, with yes. Netflix trying to get their, their foot in the door with uh, award season. Basically, right. we want to play with big leagues, but in order to do so, we need to release things theatrically the same time we screen them. Right, but theaters won't do it theatrically yes. because of limited runs that they have or limited number yeah. of screens. The chains won't, but if Netflix, I'm sorry, if IMAX uh, waves a bunch of money in front of the theater uh, companies' faces, and they can't say no. Right, plus uh, stuff in IMAX uh, is usually limited showings right. per week anyway because something new comes along just all to Netflix, kick it out of the way. Which all, is all these streaming guys want. Right. They, they just, just want, want the, one big or, blurb, the, the one or two weeks and, and that's then it. go see it on Netflix at home. Right. Like that's their strategy. So this is actually really smart because it's great publicity for both. Is it? I think so. How, how do you think this goes wrong? Was the last time something meant for television was on a big screen of IMAX? Something meant for television? Never. As far as I know. Oh, there was an event okay. of marvelous proportions. Oh, you could right. say it was inhuman of them to do such a thing. Yeah, you're right. But that thing sucked. <laughs> the reason why that failed was not because it was on IMAX. The reason why that failed was because word of mouth got out that it was bad. Yes, I'm talking about the humans, by yes. the way, for those of you who don't know. <laughs> Um, the Inhumans, which had half a season for ABC, and premiered its first two episodes on IMAX. Right. Also, that's different because that's trying to Trojan horse a television series into your your homes by making you go to the theaters and see it. This is different. What they're talking about here is the actual, uh, a film, a feature film mm -hmm. being released, which is a very different game at that point. Also, if their marketing team is working... You will believe that that's worth seeing, unlike the human stuff, which I had to be told existed because there was no marketing. <laughs> it. 
So yeah, it's it's a different I told thing. you about it. I know. You're not marketing. I was your marketing. You are not a marketing. It was marketed towards me to tell people like you about Unless it. Unless Marvel paid you money to market it. You oh. would not market it to it. You would know if Marvel paid me. I would know, <laughs> yes. And you, they don't. So here we are. I, I think this is a win. Well, but Marvel, if you want to change that, hit us up at meetbillpodcast.com. Uh, yes. Uh, but no, I think this is a win-win because I feel like IMAX has also been looking for like some big budget deals. You don't hear that often a unique IMAX ex- about a unique IMAX experience. Usually IMAX is like, oh, well, this movie has a few scenes that were shot in IMAX. Or, oh, Christopher Nolan's putting out something. You know it's going to be an IMAX. Right. It's rare that you have what we had in the 90s, which was, oh. An IMAX experience. Here is a thing that's only on IMAX, and you have to go to an IMAX theater to see it. That doesn't happen. The last time something was that big... Uh, I'd have to say the start of Avatar. Like I said, Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Dunkirk was that big. Yeah. Uh, Gravity 2010. So, yeah, was Dunkirk that big. was the last one. Yeah, Dunkirk was Again, the last one. it's Christopher Nolan. He does it every time. It's yeah. an expected thing. And then, right. yeah, Gravity, similar kind of way. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron, you know, it's like this is a big name director. He's a tours. For being an auteur, he's known for caring about the kind of screen his movies mm-hmm. on. That's different. What I'm talking about is, here's a movie you can only see. So that doesn't happen. Right. So I think it's a win-win. I think it's a, a marketing miracle for both of them. I think that both the companies are in the right spot for it to work. I just hope that they use it correctly and don't put out like an Adam Sandler film in IMAX, but say you yeah. for something like like a Roma. It is a con- that, that's going to be there is a question of content for sure because right. something that's made for Netflix is not necessarily produced. With a big screen in mind. The kissing booth, for instance. Unless this happens before something is in production, then it would be. Right. But So it's a matter of how quickly they get this in operation. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. I guess we'll follow up when we hear more about this story and we'll let you know. Hi, dudes. Hi, dude. Whoever you may be. It's, it's the doctor. Oh. <laughs> it's K-Love. K-Love. All right. <laughs> Let's move on to a different story. Okay. Let's talk about Space Jam. All right. I love Space Jam. Next. One of your favorite. No. That's not the end of the story. Oh, okay. There's stuff to talk about involving Space Jam. All right. I love my. Yes. I would not like to talk about Space Jam. Right. Here we are. Guess what? Remember how we would talk about a Space Jam 2 involving LeBron James? LeBron James. Well, it continues being real, and it's going to actually happen. Ryan Coogler, of all people, is teaming with LeBron to produce the Space Jam movie. And Terrence Nance, uh, who created HBO's Random Acts of Flyness and directed the experimental film The Oversimplification of Her Beauty, will be the director. Hmm. hmm. Production... I think those things should be switched. <laughs> but Ryan Coogler is probably too big of a name to put probably, behind it. Probably, yeah. Production on the Warner Brothers film uh, is tentatively slated for 2019 during the NBA off-season because LeBron is, of course, still an active player in the NBA. Yes, but he's also currently of the Los Angeles Lakers. Lakers which means so he's in town. A, uh, just a little bit. He, a little he bit. may be in town he for, for a bit town. before he goes on vacation somewhere with his family. Alongside all these announcements, a teaser image uh, came out. Did you see this? I looked it? at the teaser Okay, image. what's the teaser? It's a locker room uh, uh-huh. of, of a locker one for Bugs Buddy, one for LeBron James, okay. one for Ryan Coogler, and one for uh, the producer, the, uh, guy. Uh, the, the, the director. Uh, 
Uh, Terrence Nance. Yeah, one for Terrence Nance. That's clever. That's yes. Cute. Uh, it had their lockers. It had uh, like gym shorts in there, basketball, <laughs> some other perf- paraphernalia in it. Paraphernalia in there. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay. It, it just said come, and then at the bottom just said coming soon. Okay. Well, it says everything you need to know. I suppose. Yep. It's, it's, as soon as you see B Bunny, you're like, okay, Bugs Bunny, yep. LeBron James, that's Space Jam, that's Space Jam, that's Space Jam for sure. That's Space Jam too. All right. Uh, our uh, last LeBron, here. LA Bron. Yep. LA Bron. So yeah. Uh, last story uh, does not involve. LeBron. Well. Before we get to that, okay. I just really liked for the Looney Tunes to come in and get Michael Jordan, but instead they try and grab Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> so confusing these days. I know. That's really funny. And look, what's that exact lie? It's just so confusing. Yeah. It's just so confusing. Because <laughs> you can't have a Ryan Cooler project without Michael B. Jordan. It's true. All right. Let's move on. All right. Our last story in film is a little bit of a sad one. We don't know where the one of the most famous actress in, actresses in China is. That actress, of course, is Fan Bingbing. Uh, for those of you in America, you will know her from X-Men, playing yes. Blink in uh, Days of Future Past. Yes. And she is also in... Some something th- most recent, more recently. She was. Yeah. Not, wasn't uh, the... No, it was the Meg. No, she's also... Oh, no, 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 she's her also sister. in, a, her sister uh, was in the uh, Meg. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. No. Oh, no, no. She had a brief cameo in Iron Man. Oh. I'm going to think for the Chinese scenes only. Oh. She was in that. Anyways, uh, well, she's been missing. We don't what know do where Fan Bing Bing is. She's been missing for more than three months and has dropped out of public view. Her disappearance has been met with some concern among fans and fears that politics in Beijing may have been involved. Uh, her disappearance may be related to a government investigation into tax evasion and the film business but has not been officially charged with any crime by the Chinese government. Uh, the accusations came in late May, with a video posted about one of her film contracts being paid differently in order to report one and not the other. The video concludes with a warning that if the violations are found, they will be handled in strict accordance with the law. Uh, she was last seen in Cannes in May to promote the upcoming spy thriller with Jessica Chastain, Marion Cotillard, uh, Penelope Cruz and Lupita Nyong'o. This was that is I the, remember us uh, reporting, reporting on that. Yes, that's, a, that's what I was trying to find. Right yeah, uh, that's the civil the that's the American Revolution right women spy film. Yes, that from across bad. the world. Yeah, so she was supposed to be in this, and nobody knows where she is. Yes, uh, social media cannot find her. Her last post was in late May for an ad, and. Nothing since. I mean, it sounds like if this... Uh, and also, the film you're thinking of is uh, one of the Transformers. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, because uh, there was a deal with, like, China and stuff. I think it was uh, Age of Extinction she was supposed Got to be it. in. Okay, well, um, anyways, uh, yeah, uh, th- this, uh, this uh, assumption about the Chinese government situation sounds pretty probably correct. And if that's the case, she's just trying to avoid being potentially arrested by her home country. Which is understandable. Yeah. Uh, so if that's what's going on, well, we hope you're uh, in a, a safe place, man. Uh, and we wish her uh, uh, good luck, and we hope somebody finds her. Yeah, it's... Uh, so the contract in dispute is that she was reportedly paid $1.7 for the role. Yeah. But um, there was a second contract reportedly for $7.8 million yeah. that was not reported for the Chinese government for taxes. Yeesh. And that's what they're doing. Um, also, in a side note, they're also investigating one of the directors, uh, one of the like 
highlighted main directors in China uh, for tax evasion as well. Oh boy. Okay. So this may be something that we'll get back to. <laughs> probably. We'll probably hear more about that when it happens. Let's move on to... That's it for movies. So let's move on to television. Yeah, we're done with movies. Which always starts with sports. All right, sports quarter. Sports quarter with Mike. We have uh, one big story here, but I bet there's more. Uh, big story, of course, is NFL-related. What happened this week in football? Uh, we had another tie. Uh, we had another tie in wow. the NFL. Okay. This is the se- uh, I say another because this is the second week in a row, week two of two, that there's yeah. been a tie in the NFL. Wow. Uh, rarely do ties ever happen. Ties are rare, yes, because the game is essential. The scoring in the game is designed for ties not to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was um, the giant, or not giant, green, big G in my head. <laughs> no, this is Green Bay versus Minnesota. Green Bay versus Minnesota each ended up with a tie. Uh, last week it was the Browns versus the Steelers who ended a tie. And this upcoming week, it's probably going to be some other teams that end in a tie. Because that's just how things go nowadays. Yep. Uh, <laughs> other than that, I got nothing in okay. terms of sports, really. Slow sports week. Uh, yeah, it's pretty slow. Uh, people were still using this whole week to talk about the Serena thing. Yes. Um, we already talked about that. We talked about that last week. Other than that, nothing really big in terms of sports. That I can think of. All right. I've been, I'm trying to think of something, but nothing comes to mind. That works for me. Let's move on. NASCAR's then. happening. So NASCAR's check that happening. out. But football. So football season okay. is football. All right. Well, in that case, let's move on to television news proper. And of oh, course. Yeah. Lastly, um, Le'Veon Bell is still holding out. So if those of you Le'Veon Bell owners out there, find a different running back probably. All right. Okay. Let's move on uh, to television news proper. Then. Yes. The big story of the week. And yes, our big our television news. Of course, we have to start with the obvious one. The Emmys happened on Monday. Emmy is the big coming out party for television, big award for television. This year, it was dominated by streaming and HBO. HBO and Netflix tied for twenty three awards each. Yes, this is the first time in like ten or twelve years that HBO was not the the the. Um, the award winner. Right. The go-getter. But just barely. Um, <laughs> well, he tied. In this case, yeah. So technically they didn't just, lose either. Yeah, just barely. Uh, but uh, among your winners, Barry on HBO double won for uh, first for Henry Winkler as supporting uh, actor in a comedy. And uh, Bill Hader uh, won lead actor in a comedy. But you know, each of them, their first award wins. Each their first Emmys after uh, being nominated a few times for Henry Winkler, and I don't believe Bill Hader had ever been up. I think he got one nomination. Okay. That was his last one, uh, for his last season on SNL. Got it, okay. But I don't think he won, because that was... Uh, I want to say that was Jim Parsons for some reason. Probably. But, uh, but no other show dominated as much as Marvelous Ms. Maisel over at Amazon. Amazon yes. had a big night with that show. It won Best Comedy, uh, won Best Actress, Supporting Actress, won the Writing Award, as well as the Directing Award, all for comedy categories. Big night for Amazon. Yep. That's That's big, those are five big wins for that show. In case uh, you don't know, um, uh, that would be the Amy Sherman Palladino-led uh, show, uh, she of Gilmore Girls fame. 
This is her current show on Amazon. There is no current release date for a season two, but they did just wrap production. Mm -hmm. So I would I'd say by the end of the year, we'll hear something about season two of Marvelous Miss Maisel, especially with all the Emmy hype. Oh, look out for the Emmy commercial saying, five-time Emmy winner. Oh, okay. What makes it so special? You'll have to tune in and find out. Uh, in case you're wondering about the limited series or theatrical, or I guess television movie, or whatever the hell they call the weird category about stuff that's not a series. Yes. Uh, but that was, of course, dominated by two things. First of all, that episode of Black Mirror, that Star Trek. Yes. You know, USS Callister. It won writing and television movie awards. And, of course, the assassination of Gianna, Gianni, Gianni Versace, 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 Versace. Yep. One big uh, best limited series, best actor, and directing for a limited series. Yep, Versace won, just like I called it. Yep. Uh, Jared Chris won his award for acting. Congratulations, put that one on your mantle next to nothing. Yep. And then, yeah, uh, it wins again for best series. Uh, called it. So, yeah, those are your uh, biggest Emmy winners. Yes. Uh, um, last week, the time with John Oliver won for yep. a third straight week in a row. Year. Third year? You said week, but that, that was pretty funny, but no. Yeah, because <laughs> it's last week. Yes, <laughs> third week. Uh, um, yeah, third straight year for a uh, late night talk show. Michael Che and Colin Jost hosted, but it wasn't really... It was boring. Yeah. There weren't that many memorable gags. They had Maya Rudolph and Fred Armisen on probably too, too many times to yeah. do a bit that wasn't really that great. Right. Um, um, they also did something really weird with the nominations. Yeah. So they read all the nominations mm -hmm. and then brought out the presenter instead of the other way around. Which I guess it was in uh, uh, in consideration of time. Because I have to note something about this, this award show. It moved at such a ridiculously quick clip. It was whiplash-inducing at some times. Where I was just like, whoa, we're already to the next... Holy crap, where were we? What We're doing like five awards between commercial breaks? What is happening? And it still took two hours, 30 minutes to get through it. Yeah. It's crazy. You cannot do a award show in, in two hours. I don't know how the Oscars think they're going to do it. No, they're not going to do it. <laughs> this is why they're cutting stuff, because they have to. It's just insane. You have you can it's so either, quickly. It's either you cut out the little gag bits in between, yeah. or you just cut out awards. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do, but yeah, I'm you, sure you're watching this one. You get rid of a, a true host and said just do a voiceover. Mm -hmm. Someone in the box. Could just do that. I mean, there's something that says you can't just do that. So yeah, overall it was a weird, awkward year uh, for the Emmys. Oh, we didn't even mention Game of Thrones taking best drama. Yeah, speaking of awkward and weird. Because it seemed like such an afterthought. Yeah. Because, it, well, Peter Dinklage won. Yes. In the night. So he won for supporting. So two awards, technically. Uh, it actually won more in the technical. But this wasn't the technical. Yeah, no. But yeah, it was just, it was just one of those weird, weird feeling nights where everything felt like it came out of nowhere. And nothing really made sense. And in a year where they were praising diversity, it kind of did suck for the widest shows in both categories to win. <laughs> like, I was just like, come on, man. Anyways, so that was the Emmys. I don't know how I felt about them this year. Uh, they seemed like kind of nothing. Yeah, it seemed very bland. It didn't seem like the, spect the spectacle it could have, should have been. But that's the Emmys, I guess. It's just a very white list. It is. Yeah, I don't know. All right.
Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about Disney. Hey, they make me nice and happy. They weren't at the Emmys, but they are cooking up an MCU something for a streaming service. The streaming service being Disney's future streaming service. Yeah, so they're going to try and get people to come to the, their streaming service. And we talked a little bit about what they have to entail. Uh, but, you know, one of their biggest properties is, of course, Marvel. And... How do you get people to come if you don't show off some Marvel stuff? So, none of this will come to a surprise if you know anything about what Disney's been doing. I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah, no, not really. (laughs) They're already talking about an MCU something coming to the service, including characters such as Loki, Scarlet Witch, and others. The actors portraying the heroes are expected to reprise their roles and not be recast. Is this a firm... No recasting rule? This is a firm no recasting. For this the is MCU. For the MCU. This is, you guys are in our universe. We probably may not have used you as much as we said we were going to. So, in lieu of that, and in order to keep you on our contracts, we're going to make TV shows out of you. Yeah. Roughly six to eight episodes you wanna, per you wanna, character. Let me pitch a show. Okay, uh, pitch I'm a show. I'll pitch what I want to see. All right, all right. I want to see a Scarlet Witch and Division uh, sitcom with sitcom. them learning how to love each other <laughs> even though they're so different. That's what I want. Did you watch that? Yes, although you wouldn't <laughs> make that a comedy. Yeah, it would be, well, it would yeah, be hilarious. Would, yeah. <laughs> they're like, it's like two fish out of water. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> you slowly see um, Vision transform from the robot to uh, the, the Paul Bettany right before, right before, and then it, yep. the, the season ends. Right where they're in the hotel room in uh, in uh, Infinity War. Yep. Right, right, mm-hmm. just, just ends right there. Like, let's go here. Yeah. And you know it's just going to end badly for both of them. Because <laughs> that's when Infinity War picks up. But it's that time in between um, Civil War and Infinity War. That's just them. Make this happen, Kevin Feige. Yeah, uh, but then you have to get Paul Bettany to yeah. sign on too. Yeah. Well, they said no recast. Yeah. All right. Well, well the, the way you go around that is you do... Scarlet Witch as a and her brother as a kid, and uh, Hydra does experimentations on them. Okay. So you're technically you're recasting, <laughs> but you're casting a young person. Eh, semantics. Yeah. Anyways, that's how they get around it. So shows just like this fake one that we came up with. Um, we'll have six to eight episodes order episode orders for uh, for their streaming service. Um, he uh, Kevin Feige. Speaking of him. He's expected to take a hands-on role in their development as well. So the real Marvel people are involved in this thing. They're really taking it seriously. Uh, alongside the Marvel stuff, uh, it's being uh, is also a couple of other things that we already know are in development, including John Favreau's Star Wars series, which is already we already talked about, and uh, also a series based on get this High School Musical. Right, we talked about Isn't that. Isn't that just Glee? Yeah, it's <laughs> technically just Lee. Yeah, I'm getting that hard. But yeah. I don't think it's actually going to be just Lee. But interesting, nonetheless, a right. series approach to High School Musical might be okay. Yeah, I mean, it's going to get those kids who loved High School Musical, who now who have are kids. too old to watch High School Musical now. But, but probably are now starting to have their own kids. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Oh, God. No, not yet, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. God. You're 10 years out of high school. Let's move on. If they had a kid in high school, that's 10 years right now. Yeah. Alright, well, hopefully they didn't have a kid in high school and it was leaving on, be on MTV's Teen Mom. Teen Mom. Or a year or two. That's yeah. like 10, 8 year olds then. Alright, let's move on. Ages. 
Ageism. Ageism. Math is weird. Not even once. All right. Let's talk about Saturday Night Live. Yes, let's. Because it's almost time. The season premiere is slated for the 29th, and we now know who our host and musical guest is. Yes, thanks to the Emmys. It will be hosted Adam by Adam Driver, and the musical guest will be none other than Kanye West. What? I guess he's already on his uh, recovery tour here, trying to get his public image put back together. Well, we'll, we'll talk about Kanye in the music yes, section. Yes, we will. And so, yeah, that would be on September 29th, if you're wondering about casting. I am always wondering about their casting. Well, we had already reported that Luke Knoll will not be returning after his first and only season. Right. However, everybody else will. Ooh. Uh, additionally, Mikey Day, Melissa Villasenor, and Alex Moffat are being promoted to Featured. Um, well, the from, from Featured. Sorry, from Featured to regular cast. Yes, uh, this is, they have been on the show for two years, and that's the time they get the bump up. So that means uh, uh, the other two, Chris Red and Heidi Gardner, will return as Featured players. Yes, because no both of them are on one year. Announced. Right, both of them are on one year. Yeah. I don't know if they'll actually do more people. That's the question. Is that I, I was one, trying to wonder if they were going to replace uh, Luke Knoll's spot. But as of right now, and we're pretty close to the premiere, the, the, there's no one moving in there. So as of right now, the answer is no. Maybe we're but, just dropping a number. I don't know. But you, you will never know. They can always promote yeah. one of their writers quickly yeah, up yeah. into a um, into an uh, front of camera role. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's not technically cemented in stone yet. Yeah, I guess not. But I mean, generally speaking, I think that that's the smart moves. I think. I mean. Mike Day is strong enough where, yeah, he definitely should be regular. Yeah. Melissa Villasenor, I don't know. I would probably give her another year. I don't know. I'm happy that she's... Back. I am happy that she's sticking around. I definitely want her on the show. Yes. I just don't know whether she was quite as ready as... As other people? As Mike Day was. Well, Mikey Day, Mikey Day was the breakout last Well, he does the Trump stuff. Yeah. He was their breakout. Yeah, him last and Alex Moffat both Moffitt do the. Both. They both do the, the the Don the Junior Don Junior and Eric. And don't get stick. me wrong, I love Melissa Villasenor. I think she's great. Oh um, yes, but I think Heidi Gardner is kind of better, and I'm glad she's still on the show. But yeah, definitely, uh, definitely keep an eye on her because I think this will hopefully be her breakout season too. Probably. Yeah, she's doing some great stuff on that thing. So yeah, yeah. the 29th, check it out when that happens. We'll know more about the future episodes. Soon. All right. Let's move on to an internet story uh, this this week. The internet was causing some rifts in on the streets. Sesame Street. On the streets. Yes, on the street. Specifically Sesame Street. A former writer uh, made waves, uh, this guy Mark Saltzman, when he said in an interview that he wrote the relationship between Bert and Ernie based on his own relationship with the late editor Arnold Glassman. He said, quote, I don't think I'd know how else to write them, but as a loving couple. That's what I had in my life. How could it not permeate? Well, this uh, got a lot of people on the internet talking about, um, basically, the the, were saying, the, the, the the fire was reignited in, in our burn Ernie, a gay couple. Yeah, the internet were basically saying, oh, well, this all but confirms it. Like, they definitely are a couple. They were written as a couple. That's the end. Well... Sesame Workshop, the company that runs the show, uh, went very quickly on to their social media platform and said that no, Bert and Ernie are, quote, best friends. And they teach preschoolers that people can be good friends with those who are very different from themselves. They Although can. they possess many human traits, 
They remain puppets and do not have a sexual orientation. I think that's supposed to be Muppets. They, they specifically classify them as Muppets and not puppets. Yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, but yes, um, they were very clear to say that Muppets do not have sexual or- orientation, which right. I thought was hilarious <laughs> to write in a sentence. It is. Um, to which people on the internet very quickly were like, but wait a minute, isn't Miss, P- Miss, Miss Piggy's Piggy. whole shtick is that she falls in love with every male actor? Yeah. Like, they obviously do. Also, also her name is Miss Piggy. Yeah. That's, that's denoting gender. <laughs> well, you can have you well, know they gender. Said that they, well, they said but, that they identify the characters as male. So they were yes, saying yes. that gender They exists, denote gender, but not sexuality. But they're just all asexuals. Right. Is basically what I'm reading here. Is that Muppets are asexual. A Muppet loves everyone. Yeah, Muppet Because everyone loves, loves Muppets. Muppet loves whatever Muppet loves, man. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in case you're wondering, Bert and Ernie have been a mainstay on Sesame Street for over 25 years, but it looks like there are no current plans to actually portray them as a gay couple. So I'd say it's probably fair to use your own headcanon here. If you think that they're portrayed that way, yeah, because they kind of are. Well, I mean, they're written that way because yeah. of the writer. Or at least one of those writers. Yeah. There's been a lot of writers on Sesame Street. It's probably important to, re- to mention this. The show's been on for 50 years. Yeah. A lot of people have written Bert and Ernie, not just this one person. So even though this is one person's perspective, that may not be the case for all the writers on the show. But I think it's fair to say, yeah, they probably are. But Sesame Street does not want to, I guess, Make delve- us dance. Make a stance, or they just don't want to delve into storylines that are bigger than the Muppets, or right. than Sesame Street can handle. Yeah. I don't know. I wish that they could, would just embrace it. I mean, I think it would say something about well, uh, it's portraying to such a young audience that this is a normal thing. It normalizes it. Well, it's because Bert Ernie, when they've written as a concept, was Laurel and Hardy. The yin and the yang, the, the big and the small. Well, and the odd couple. The odd couple. Let's be real. Yeah. That's the entire bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was getting there. <laughs> yeah. It's a very, but yes, you're right. It's a very common comedy uh, form. Right. The it's two, easy to write. The two roommates who are very different from each other is a very easy thing. But it's existed in lots of different forms. But yeah, anyways, uh, we're talking too much about this. All you need to know is that the company is said that they're not, but everybody knows that they are. <laughs> but, but they're not. Officially, they are not. Yeah. 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 No, what? People could live together yeah. as roommates and not be sexually orientated with each other? I mean, yeah, that's true. But those guys, they are. Rubber duckies? They are. Yeah, you've seen Ernie in the tub. You know what's I've up. seen way too much Ernie in the tub. Yep, with his rubber ducky. Yep, with his All right. Rubber, yes, rubber duckies. Rubber duckies. All right, let's move on. Uh, that's it for television news. So that brings us into thoughts, and we have some thoughts. Oh, I have some thoughts. Yes, some thoughts. Okay, we watched thoughts. two brand new Netflix seasons. Yes. First up, you watched the second season of American Vandal. Yes. This is American Vandal, season two, and everything went to shit. Literally. Literally. Uh, Last one was about dicks. This one's about shit. Yes. Uh, season two is about number two. Yes, uh, The The turd bandit? Turd, turd emoji? Poop emoji? Yes. I, know, I watched the whole thing. I still don't remember what it was. Yeah. Well, to be fair, you're half paying attention. Yes. I was Anyways. Paying... Yes. Anyways. So tell me about the half understanding that you've got for, for American Vandal 2. Do you think this was better or worse than the first season? Because I remember you did not quite enjoy. You were mixed, I believe. I was mixed to where I understood the humor they were going for, but yeah. that humor was not for me because it was potty humor. 
Well, guess what? They Talking about shit, they toppled down. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they move it from California up to Seattle. Yeah. I think it's a nice change of pace. Uh, they move it from public school to prep school, so a nice change of pace. But they also change it from graffiti of dicks to the giant shitstorm, uh, quite literally, yeah. as diarrhea ensues in the public school. And who pulled said prank? But then some central, uh, or yeah, some central pranks uh, for it in total. Subsequential. That's what I said. Okay. <laughs> Is that not what I said? Sure. All right. Anyways, um, so here's here's I guess a kind of a clarification question because you didn't really answer my question. No. Um, <laughs> clarification question. So I remember when we talked about a year ago, uh, American Vandal part, part one, or season yes. one. Your I remember your whole problem with it was specifically you said that you had a problem with the tone of it. You were like they want this to be a comedy, but at the same time they play the documentary stuff. So straight, yeah, and that was your main problem with. It. And you were saying that it's confusing tonally because you're like you want to get involved in the the story that they're telling because it's well produced. The actual mm-hmm. documentary quote unquote work they're doing is convincing enough where you get involved and you want to know. But then you said you caught yourself every once in a while getting thrown off by when they would put a joke in there because you'd be like, well, wait, this it would take you out of that experience and be like, this right. is a comedy. It seems like this is still doing that. Uh, this is actually reversed it to where okay. it's a lot more potty humor and dick yeah. jokes. It still does follow the same tropes of we're going to make as much potty humor in this thing as we can. Yeah. And then and then pull it back to, to keep the mystery going. Because this thing is a mystery. Yeah. Unlike the first one where it was, did he do it or did he not do it? This is a mystery of who's done it in, in terms of compiling these four. There are, it seems like there are a lot more people involved that could be yes. the cause. And yes. they're trying to weed them out by process of elimination. Right. They, they slowly conform to, maybe it's not just one person who did all yeah. this, but multiple people. And also it goes into um, who, no, not who, but what we are on terms of like social media, in terms of yeah. It got real meta which, at the very end. Which I want to talk about because I think it was interesting that they went that way yeah. because the other thing I remember about our conversation that we had about season one is I did make a comment about... What are they trying to say? It's, I think one of the things that they're trying to do here is, man, it sucks to be a teenager in high school in the modern age of social media. And, and they, they go hard on that it. angle this year. Oh yeah, definitely um, the heart into that. It's very like the pretty much the final episode ends with kind of that being the summary is this sucks. You basically have to live these two parallel lives in high mm-hmm. school now. And it sucks because high schoolers take advantage of that. So now everything about you is on display and accessible, and high schoolers are still terrible douchebags about it. And so oh, it yeah. just doubles the severity of everything. And I mean, it is scary. I mean, I everyone in high school is terrible to someone at some point because yeah. you don't really understand your actions yeah. or the future consequences that you don't actually foresee. Right. And now consequences are immediate. Yes. Like, they're immediate, they're fast, and they affect you like literally the next day or the next hour. It's one of those minutes. things that makes me feel kind of old, even though I know I'm not that old in the grand scheme of things, yeah. is that how much that's changed even since I was in high school. When I was in high school, we were barely getting Facebooks. But Facebook was not what Facebook is now. Right. And so it's interesting to see how like everything is just so accessible and portable. 
Because everybody has cell phones now in their pocket. Well, because we graduated high school right as smartphones were becoming the thing. Yeah, smartphones were barely like an idea. Like people had Palm Pilots and stuff. No, 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 like 2007 we were still was using, iPhone. Like, we were still. Uh, I thought that was yeah. That was 2007. Right. That was around the same time. So it was like only a handful of people could afford that right. at the high school. So it was like people rocking the Motorola Razors and still T90 at that time. Yeah, for us. Yeah. So yeah, it's just such a weird, weird difference. Uh, so yeah, I thought it was it was interesting as kind of a commentary on that. Uh, but I think that you're you were right about the first season as much as you were right about this time. That thing is so tonally all over the place. Yeah. I just don't know how it's supposed to be read. Like I know it's a branded as a comedy. It's branded as a comedy. I feel it's like they thing. don't want it to be. Everything's supposed to be taken as a joke. Right. They throw yeah. as much humor in it as possible. But because it's because the format that it's basing itself on is a such a serious format and tone, <laughs> yeah, that it's hard for me to take it as a comedy. I think yeah. maybe I watched it with someone who had the same who laughed at all the jokes they were making. Yeah, I'd probably see it more as a comedy. Yeah. But watching it by myself and not it's having that, to... it's hard for me to to laugh at it when it's such a serious yeah tone that they presented in. Like, at times, it's too serious for its own good, and that's the point. Right. And there are parts that I, I generally chuckle and laugh and understand where they're going, uh, but it's so over the top. It is. That it plays itself, it plays itself so seriously. Yeah. It's just so ridiculous. But yeah, if you, I think it's safe to say that if people like that first season, they'll probably like this. Yeah, if you enjoyed the first season of American Battle, you'll definitely yeah. enjoy the second season. It doubled down to everything that you want. But still not for It's still good, but still not for me. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. It's I'm not, surprised you even watched it, frankly. I thought you were going to just tap out. Oh, no. I mean, people said it's good. People like it. So I'll try to see if it's yeah. one of those things where maybe I should get, get the first season. But let's try a second season. Well, maybe not. Well, maybe not. However, there was something else on Netflix this week. Uh, yes. Uh, something animated. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. Uh, All right, prepare yourself. Season five of uh, BoJack Horseman. Yeah. As the internet calls it, the sad horse show. The sad horsey show. So, uh, yeah. So BoJack uh, always manages to be two very distinct things every season I've, I've watched of it. Um, it's two very distinct things. One, it is one of maybe... I'd say one of the, but this year, at least before The Good Place premieres uh, in a week, uh-huh. um, is currently probably, I would say, the best written comedy on television right now. I think what they're doing with the joke writing and the structure of this show is so incredibly above what most, especially animated, comedies are operating on in, in 2018 that it's insane. Like, every episode of this show, even in its fifth season... Is still hilarious with amazing references, like just great setups, the amazing puns. Just I don't know what these writers are smoking, but I want some. <laughs> like it's so so consistently good. This season was even more consistent last season. Uh, I don't know if you remember me talking about season four, but it was like kind of lopsided. It had some really really great note, uh, great moments in it, but I felt like the side characters were kind of wasted. Uh, and that it had like a, a good emotional heart to it ultimately as the season ended, but I felt like there was something to be desired. This season, 
Not at all like that. It's 100% consistent. Every single episode is better than the last. It is amazingly well-constructed. I think that this may be maybe my second favorite season of the show. Really? I think it really had a really good first two seasons, but season five is stellar. It's them, uh, the writers, like, operating full cylinders, just, like, just going. And it's because we've spent enough time with these characters where we know them and know them really, really well, and we love them, and we're really attached to them. So I think that that makes it work even better than it did. It kind of reminds me of Peak, like, when The Simpsons was at its peak. Like, they have so much creative power that they can do new creative things with it and not alienate their audience. And they do creative things this season. Of course, the show's always done that. If you recall, there was an episode that was completely silent. They've done uh, episodes where it was, uh, like, a complete, like, a new show. They've done episodes where it was an episode of a television show inside a television show. Well, in this one, they do an entire episode that is just BoJack monologuing. So it's basically just Will Arnett talking at you for 20 minutes. They do one that is a combination of the television show that he is in, as well as in real life, where he is confused about which is which, and you are also confused about which is which. Right. Which is amazing. It's like they're still operating on this, like, we want to surprise and switch up the show every single episode, and they do it. So that's one part of it. The other part of the show is it still remains an absolutely ridiculously depressing emotional roller coaster. It always has been. It still is. And I'm just amazed with every season they seem to top like how dark and how ridiculous they can make it. But also like making you feel like, no, this actually made like a really salient point about, about this. As opposed to just existing to be like, oh, well... This is about a sad character. In fact, for the first time ever, the show itself is commenting on the fact that it is a show supposedly endorsing the behavior of a sad and awful character. So we've kind of had this conversation about Rick and Morty. We've had this conversation about other shows like Showtime's Dexter. We've had this conversation, and society as a whole, about media has had this conversation in the last few years especially, about television shows that basically show a flawed man and make them the star of it, mm-hmm. and then portray them in a way where they're still likable, but also terrible. And the effect that that has on a lot of people is people, especially men, especially young men, internalize that and be like, oh, well, he's fine, and he does all this messed up shit. I could do this messed up shit too. And there was some people, especially after the last season of BoJack, on the internet basically saying, is, isn't this just one of those, just animated? They were basically saying, oh, well, this is just this is just John Hamm's character in Mad Men. It's just like, we know he's messed up. Like, we know BoJack has all these issues, but everybody still ends up being fine with him. And we move on. Like, this, uh, this season, they actually comment about it. Because it centers around him being, like, in a show where he's basically that stereotype of a character. And yeah, they have the character Diane basically straight up make a speech about, no, we keep putting these tele- like these characters on television knowing that they're, that like, and, and basically the lesson of this is just to say, yeah, they do bad stuff, but they're still good. And she's saying, no, that that's not right. Like, why yeah. are we putting this on television? And it, so it's really meta, and the way that that show reverses it 
is that they do actually have him change. I don't want to spoil how they do it, but in the very, very last episode of this this season, that he kind of makes a breakthrough and does something he needed to do for a very long time. And that's something you don't see on those prestige shows. Like actual moving forward with your character. And that's one of the things that the show is really, really good at. It's good at being both hilarious and some of the best writing on television. And it's also really good at being like, no, we're not going to fall into these traps that these other prestige shows do. We're going to actually say, no, this is how you get help. This is what it means to help. This is what it means when you actually have these issues and here's how to deal with them in really smart ways. It's just really, really good to see. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how else to talk, like, how, what else to say about it. It was just like one of the best, I mean, so far the best TV show I've seen all year. But like I said, Good Place is new in a week to come back to that conversation. <laughs> But yeah, I don't. I, I'm 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 very sincere in that you're missing out with seasons you haven't watched. I told you, like those first two seasons, I couldn't get into it. Uh, I tried to watch the first half of season one. I wasn't for me. It's so good. And though. then the second half of season two, I just there are jokes though that, that I feel like are written for you. Like a lot of one of my favorite things about it is that it's very it's written from the perspective of people who work in Hollywood. Right. So there's a lot of inside baseball going. And so there's a lot of, like, constant references to television shows, actors, actresses, just, like, above the line, below the line, just, like, very production lingo, like, what it means to be on a show. There's an episode this season where uh, a character goes to um, uh, a foreign country, and they do a shot in a foreign country, uh, a shoot uh, uh, show in a foreign country, and they talk about that. It's just fantastic stuff, like, that you would totally think was hilarious. But I guess it's the other half that puts you off. I think it's the <laughs> human animal hybrid thing yeah. that puts me off. Like, they do some great stuff with that stuff. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I've given it several tries. Yeah. It just doesn't grasp me. Yeah, it's just I. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to talk about too much because I don't want to give away too much about it. But clearly you like it. But there's a lot going on. And if you on like BoJack, season. you like it. Oh, well, yeah, easily. Um, like I said, it's one of the best seasons that they've done so far. Um, but yeah, it's emotionally <laughs> exhausting. Uh, I don't recommend watching it all in one sitting because you will... I don't know. Something will happen to you. <laughs> You'll try to, to this. Try to spread it out. This will happen to you. <laughs> I did it in three sittings this time, unlike the last season. So. Well, you were forced to do it in three sittings. Yeah. You could have done it in two. You're going to do it, too. I could too. have, but I wanted to actually see. Uh, but yeah, uh, so yeah, I recommend it if you like that stuff. I think it's the best animated show on Netflix, period. I think it may be the best animated show uh, that's not directed for kids right now. Um, because obviously, you know, I love Steven Universe. Yeah. So I couldn't say period. But yeah, it's definitely some of the best adult animation going on right now. So if you're not watching it yet, go catch up. It's all on Netflix. Um, and yeah. Wow. Okay, you done? Yeah, done. All right. Um, yeah, I just doesn't. I mean, okay. the parts that I've seen, I liked. Yeah. But just seeing through the whole episode, I just don't. Do it. I don't know. <laughs> it's it does it goes. Like, it sounds everything sounds like something I should watch. And, yeah. And would love. 
It's just something that just doesn't grasp me for some reason. No, no. All right. Well, that's it for television. Let's move into cancellations and renewals. All right. Let's talk about some cancellations and renewals. All right. Well, first up, we have a show on PBS. That's yes. Weird, right? Yes, it is weird. We we'll, have we'll talk about them. Pole Dark. What is Pole Dark? I don't know. Well, whatever the hell it is, its fifth season will be its final. It's a fifth season? Yes, its fifth season Ooh. will be its last. Uh, it will have its finale at the end of its fifth season upcoming, on PBS. Yeah, upcoming fifth season. Also, getting renewed, or uh, also, comma, getting renewed is insatiable at Netflix Ugh, for some stupid reason. Getting a second season. Uh, yeah, that's not great. Uh, season, uh, also getting really? season. Yeah, Insatiable is basically a show that's about, uh, that doesn't uh, do a very good job of portraying an o- obese woman. It's not great. I don't want to talk about it. Don't watch it. Okay. Moving on. Amazon Prime is renewing Absentia for a second season. That, 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 that is. Sounds sci-fi. Own over the Oprah Network. Yes. Uh, Greenleaf is getting a fourth season. Don't know what that is. Also, that's Owned. This is just all sorts of stuff. One thing I have heard of, though, is Snowfall on FX, which will yes, be the third heard of season. And uh, one of our favorites, MasterChef yes. on Fox, will get a tenth season. Season ten. Speaking of MasterChef, tonight is the season finale. Season finale of, Nas- of MasterChef. Master Check that out. Uh, that's it for cancellations and renewals. Let's move into deaths. We have two this week. Age 84, Arthur Mitchell, who was the founder of the Dance Theater of Harlem. And we also have age 85, Dudley Sutton, who was an actor, uh, starred in Lovejoy and The Pink Panther Strikes Again. Yep, well we missed. Too. All right, let's move out on television now and into music. Okay, we have a couple albums for you, but first, we have billboard? the Billboard. We did the Billboard. It, your did one. it change? Not really. Well, we'll get there. Um, All right. Your, your Hot 100 is your singles list, and topping Hot 100 again this this week is of course Drake in my feelings or what the hell in your feelings whatever the hell that song is called number two Girls Like You by Maroon 5 number three I Like It by Cardi B number four Better Now by Post Malone number five Lucid Dreams by Juice World hasn't changed in a week next up though is your Billboard 200 your album chart which has changed your number one album is it debuting this week Eminem nope Debuting this week. Paul McCartney? Yes. Egypt Station by Paul McCartney is your number one album this week. Number two, Kamikaze by Eminem, moving down a spot. Number three, Look Up Child by Lauren Daigle. Number four, Zoo by Russ. (laughs) And sticking around in the top five, number five, Scorpion by Drake. Oh, there it is. There it is. Weekly, Weekly dose of Drake. Coming up this week in music releases, we have Beak with... Uh, greater than, greater than, greater than. <laughs> I was wondering how you were going to do that. Yeah. We have Billy Gibbons with The Big Bad Blues. Carl Bromel with Wished Out. Christine and the Queens with Chris. Joe Bonamassa with Redemption. Josh Groban. Guess that Josh Groban. Yep, that's with Josh Groban. Bridges. Joyce Manor with Million Dollars to Kill Me. Liars with Titles with the Word Fountain. Metric with Art of Doubt. Mutual Benefit with Thunder Follows the Light. Brian Hemsworth with Elsewhere. Yes, that's a Hemsworth. Not that Hemsworth. Slash with Living the Dream. Suede with the Blue Hour. Super Suckers with Suck It. Makes sense. Villagers, <laughs> The Art of Pretending to Swim. And Voivod with The Wake. The Wake. Voivod. Yep. Voivod. All right. Weird name. 
So let's talk about someone who is weird, though. Let's talk in real about life. the continuing weirdness of this year, of uh, Kanye West in the year 2018. All right. So we said we're going to talk about Kanye West because he's hosting yeah. SNL. This is why we're talking about Kanye West hosting SNL. Well, this wasn't announced alongside the SNL announcement. It was announced later via uh, Kanye's Twitter feed. Uh, he has uh, somewhat announced a new album, we think, which will be called... Yandi, think Gandhi. Jesus plus Gandhi, right. get Yandi, and it will be, uh, according to this post, released on 9-29-18, the day of his SNL appearance. The art that he showed for this is a mini-disc uh, with a clear, uh, a clear package with a piece of tape on it which looks exactly like his album, Yeezus, which was released mm -hmm. in 2013. Uh, so does this mean that he's going to do what he did with Life of Pablo and drop this at the end of his musical performance? Probably. Probably. I assume that's what he's going to do. I just don't, I never, I just, I'll never assume that Kanye is going to do the same thing twice. That's the only thing weird about this. Well, Think about it. Kanye drops it at eleven fifty nine, which is usually when they perform. Right. Or usually when they end the performance. Yeah, but it just seems like again. I just don't think he would do the same thing twice. Yeah, but he has twenty four hours on that day to release it, or you know, say he's gonna postpone it. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Well, it's uh, but yeah. So um, on top of that, in case you're wondering what else is going on with Kanye. What's going on with Kanye? He says uh, he's reconfirmed the thing he's been confirming for a while, that he has a collab album with Chance the Rapper coming. But now we know, or at least we think, uh, it's going to be titled Good Ass Job. This is a relevant title in Kanye lore, if you know anything about the rapper, because Good Ass Job was the original working title of what eventually became uh, uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Mm -hmm. uh, it was supposed to be the follow-up to Graduation. Because after you graduate, you get, you get a good-ass good job. job. That's the joke. But yes, um, uh, uh, Chance has all but confirmed this. So it seems like they're both on the same page with this. Um, also in Kanye news, he has moved back to Chicago, quote, for good, unquote. So nope. I wonder if so Kim's okay with that. I, she's got to be, I guess. <laughs> um, for the long haul, right? So yeah, there's Kanye news. In other uh, rap news, we have stuff about Childish Gambino. You mean Donald Glover? Yes, I mean Donald Glover, actor, producer, writer, Emmy winner. Uh, yes, multiple Emmy winner at this point. Uh, kind of got shafted this year, yep. but had his year last year. Childish Gambino, of course, being his rap persona, well, maybe not for too much longer. Apparently, he's calling it quits. As Childish Gambino, he is currently on what he calls his last tour ever. He told attendees at Madison Square Garden when he was there for his tour. His tour is all about saying his goodbyes and giving his fans closure in an up-close-and-personal point of view. He had hinted at stepping away since May. In addition to Atlanta, the television show, he also has the live-action Lion King movie to look forward to. As you recall, he is the voice of Simba. Yes. Uh, so, this performance was in New York on Friday. He was at the Emmys on Monday. And I didn't look up his tour schedule, but I don't know if he had any more performances. So, that may have been the last one. That may have been. So, if you wanted to see Childish Gambino live, you may have lost your chance there. 
No word on whether this means he's going to stop recording. Though. Right. This does not say that he's not going to put out another album as Childish Gambino. This just suggests that his life got so busy that he doesn't think he's going to tour. Right. Which makes sense. He may do the Adele thing where yeah. he'll put stuff out, but he won't tour. He may get do a performance here and there. Yeah. But nothing substantial. But not like a world tour. Yeah. Take a lot of time out of his schedule. Right. He may do festivals. Where yeah. We'll pay him for one or two days. And Who that's knows? It. But maybe. All right. Uh, another music news. Modest Mouse. You know. Speaking of tours. Modest Mouse. They were on tour. But they canceled the show on their tour less than an hour before it was going to begin. This yeah. was at the Duluth Entertainment Convention Center. The employees of Duluth Entertainment Convention Center found out just minutes before the announcement and had to quickly refund tickets. The previous night, the band had to cancel a show in La Crosse, Wisconsin, citing unforeseen circumstances. Not La Croix. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious. Uh, uh, two hours before the concert, there's been no word on why they canceled these shows or if they will ever be rescheduled. Who knows what's going on with Modest Mouse? Yeah, it sucks they did cancel, especially minutes. Cancel at all, yeah. but minutes before when people are already there. Uh, apparently, the openers uh, for Duluth. Got, as soon as the concert was over, got wind of this, went down to the local bar, uh, like the closest one, and then did a free performance yeah. to anyone who didn't wasn't able to um, see Boss Mouse. Right. Weird. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out what's going on later. Hopefully we get some news, and hopefully they don't cancel any more shows. <laughs> but if you did have to buy a ticket for Boss Mouse, be warned, they could cancel at any moment. Yes. Weird. All right, let's move into our biggest story about music this week. Which actually hit today. Yeah, this was fun to, to watch and then yeah. watch people <laughs> make fun of it. <laughs> it's that time of year, everybody. It's the time of year where we find out who's going to play the halftime show at the Super Bowl. So we're three weeks into the season and they've yeah. yet to announce it. Well, here it is. We now know who our Super Bowl performer for the halftime show will be. Da -da -da -da. Last, year, of course, last year, of course, was Justin Timberlake. Yep. This year, it is an even more boring act. Get ready for Maroon 5. Yep, Maroon all five, five of them. Headed by, of course, Adam Levine, is headed to Atlanta, where Super Bowl 52 will take place on February 3rd, 2019. Yes, in the new Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The new Mercedes-Benz Theater. Stadium. Stadium. Theater. Theater may as well be. Um, Arena. He will be joined by special guests. We assume, I mean, this is pre-planned stage. But we assume because Rune 5 by themselves cannot hold the concert. Yeah, only you'd think. Uh, um, also, they have a bunch of hits with other people. Um, most notably, Christina Aguilera for Booth Like Jagger. And the most recent, Chop Topper with BB Rexa, Cardi B, which one yeah. of them? I don't know. Both of them? Uh, all, of them <laughs> all of them? Yeah, there are some connections he has. Christina Aguilera, Cardi B. He also has connections, of course, to his co-voice. Uh, people on the on NBC's The Voice, Blake Shelton, Kevin Carson, Blake Shelton shows Alicia up? Keys, Miley Cyrus, etc. Uh, Jennifer Hudson, Jennifer Hudson, etc. So yeah, I don't know. Any of those could happen. Do I care though? Not really. <laughs> I care who's going to be it performing. Yeah. I mean, not performing. Yeah. I mean, playing, like, like yes. playing, performing. That's a different thing. Yes, performing really? for their jobs. Right. Not 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 halftime performance at this point, I guess. So yeah, we'll it's have probably more to talk about once they air, iron out the details about it. But yeah, for all we know, eh, this is this is kind of boring. All right, if they bring okay, if they choose one musical legend 
She's kind of on stage with them. Who do they choose? Uh, it'll probably be Christina. Let's be real. Okay, yeah, I, I'm talking. That like, was a big song. I'm talking like old act. Oh. But, like if they want to do a duet with anyone. Oh, I don't know. Who would they pick? Who would you want to see them lose? Oh, well, Paul McCartney is promoting something. Bring yeah. him up. Bring up Paul McCartney? Yeah, they've done that before, though. I'm trying to think, is there anyone, like, <laughs> Atlanta famous beside Toronto Scambino? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know who you get from Atlanta. But I think you'd go some some hometown, like they did with the Prince in uh, Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, nice tribute there. I think you go with someone big. Atlanta, hip-hop, probably, producer. You can't think of anyone. Ludacris. Sorry, <laughs> 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 I got nothing. Sorry. All right. All right, let's move on. That does it for music news, so that means it's time for thoughts. Okay, thoughts. You listen to a couple of records. Yes. Uh, I listened to some of that Good Good Charlotte. Yeah, so Good Charlotte, name that I hadn't heard in a while, um, put out some new music. And uh, it sounds weird. You were confused by it. I was very confused by it. So this is their new album, Generation RX. Or yeah. Medicine, I guess. A, RX Medicine? Yeah. Whatever. Prescription? Prescription? I don't know. Generation, Generation Prescription. Yeah. yeah. Let's call it that. But yeah, uh, how would you describe their choice of sound here? Trying to be new wave, <laughs> or not new wave, not new wave, but new but metal, new metal, the, yeah. the, the, the new sound that's coming out. It's, it's that they're trying to keep yeah. up with the times. It definitely sounds like they're trying to keep up with the times. I believe what you said uh, about the the thirty seconds to Mars album this year, or yeah, earlier this year. Remember what you said about that? Where like they're trying to sound like trying everybody else on the radio. Well, they're trying to sound like Imagine Dragons. It they, they sounds succeeded. like that. Well, you said they, they sounded like 30 Days of Mars. Mars. It seems like there's just a confluence in rock right now where everybody just wants to sound like everybody else. Well, it's the, we. everyone knows what's getting the playtime, yeah. so we're going to try right, and do that. do that, because that's how you get album sales, that's how you get people to go to your concert, it's you get radio plays. So what did you think about this? Uh, aside from maybe one song, it was nothing to... Right, home about nothing to be proud of. I want to say, yeah. which is weird because it's. I mean, when you make an album, you don't set out to make a bad album. No, 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 it does. No one does. But it's you just come out with it. That's that for the first three songs, you could mix the all mix them together, and it would <laughs> sound like it's all, all one song. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that, and that's not a good thing to happen when you're talking about trying to be different. You're trying to stand out amongst the crowd. Especially with an album. It's nothing like I said, it's nothing too out there. Mm-hmm. It's hard to even call it a good Charlotte album because it <laughs> doesn't sound like them. Or at least, I it's guess not what you're that's... expecting with them. Well, here's a question. So I'm kind of coming from just knowing good Charlotte from, from high school. Early stuff. Was this a band that you followed? Like, have you known anything that they've done since their original stuff? And is this a logical progression, or is this completely a, like a left turn? I could not answer that. So you haven't. Then. Okay. I haven't. So maybe I, I suppose was... this song because I was looking for a second album <laughs> to listen to. Yeah. And this happened to be the one thing that I wanted to listen to. I didn't want to listen to the Paul McCartney thing. Sorry, uh-huh. sorry, Paul McCartney. That's fine. I didn't listen to any other. Yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, it's. I think maybe to a certain extent it would help to have somebody who would follow their career trajectory. Yeah. They could tell us is this kind of what they've been doing for a while? Like, I don't know. Well, I think I think that discography is something that's going to be needed in order to understand this. <laughs> maybe. Because yeah. if you look at the other acts that have put out albums from um, from Mad Dragons, their first album to now, from even yeah. Linkin Park from the first album to now, from 30 Seconds of Mars from their first album to now, it's a complete different change in tone for those bands. And so I would assume it would be the same thing for Good Charlotte. It just, nothing clicked for me. I'm sure that in terms of discography, it's a good progression. But in coming in fresh and trying to get new people, it's not something that's going to grasp your attention. Yeah. And that's the pitfall of this. Mm, weird. I think that's probably where it's going to lay, too. Something that came out this year, where you'd be surprised, oh yeah, they came out with an album. And then not remember that they came out with an album. <laughs> It's not like uh, when Blink-182 came out with California, and it was like such a big thing that they actually came out with a couple of hits away from it. Yeah. This is something that's just going to be slid off, written off. Like, this is out. This is it. This is it. You this care is out. about it if you do, but... Yep. Yeah. It, it's, it's flavor of the day, not flavor of the month. All right. But tell me about the flavor of the other album that you listened to. Which oh. of course, is Carrie Underwood's yes. Hi Pretty. Yes. Carrie Underwood, my flavor of the month. Uh, every other month is watching right now keep that in mind yes (laughs) (laughs) alright so what's up with Carrie Underwood's new record Uh, Carrie Underwood and Cry Pretty starts off with Cry Pretty and it is loud and big and it's a Carrie Underwood record record. let's not oversell it yes (laughs) so Carrie Underwood from my own just playing of Carrie Underwood for the past years uh, she she stands in two different categories for me which creates a song yeah either she's gonna be loud and super carry into one about it where she's going with big long runs and really high voices yeah or it's gonna be one of those heartfelt songs right and this is a great blend of both she does have certain yeah it seems like her two modes yeah are the yes. uh country diva mode yep and country cruiser mode yep she has both one, she's keying your car and popping your tires. And the other one, she's telling you how great it's going to be when you have a kid together and they're going to play football. Yep. And this is a great uh, combination of both of those. Okay. Good to know. Uh, the, the album starts off high and goes super high for the first three or four songs. And then it gets super into country for all, everyone that's going to stick with the yeah. album. And then it ends on a bonus track. Yes. Uh, Champions of Ludacris. Right, that thing. Yes. Which we already heard. That was a single. <laughs> yes. But I want to talk about, there is one song that is kind of an odd one out in this thing. There's one song that straight up sounds one? like it was written for freaking Ed Sheeran. Oh, yes. That's it's at the end. super weird. Uh, the, the Kingdom one. Yeah, she goes full, well, no, it's not even that one. It's, it's the one where I was like, this just sounds like a pop song. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. Yes. Or it just sounds like it could have been written for anyone. And... Somehow it ended up on a Carrie Underwood album. Like, it's super out of place compared to everything else. It's like, some producer was like, I don't know, this might be a crossover hit here. So I don't know, it just seemed weird. I wish I could remember what it was, but yeah. I think I can pull it up for you real quick. Well, yeah, I don't know, that song is definitely... I mean, I, I liked most of the songs on this album. They're definitely good. They're definitely a, uh, a tone that she's definitely going for and hits. Yeah. Uh, not only in her own tone, but in um, 
most of what she's uh, what she sings about. Ooh, I'm finding it up here real quick. Uh, but yeah, it starts off big. Cry pretty is definitely gonna be a hit if it's not already. Um, where the hell is that? Where did Lisa just go? I feel like she was. She's been promoting that single and this album since like January. Yeah, I mean we've been covering the these songs for a while now. Yeah. Um. Oh, backsliding. That's what it was. Yeah, maybe it was that one. But yeah. Yeah. It was just so yeah backsliding weird. and then uh, drinking alone are the two kind of odd ones out of all this. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 it, otherwise though. It sounds like a Carrie Underwood record. Yeah. You know what you're getting into here. Oh yeah, you know what you're getting into. Carrie knows who she's playing to. She knows her audience. She knows what you expect out of a Carrie Underwood song. Um, real, just if you like, if you watch Buddy Night Football and like the new song that she put out, expect kind of that vibe going into this album. Yeah. The the game game on, uh, <laughs> song. For Sunday Night Football. It, it's big, it's loud, and it's in your face, but it's also very country. Yeah. Alright. Let's then move on, then, if we're done with your thoughts. Did you listen to anything else? Not album wise Just a couple of singles out, but we're going to skip those. Okay. I'll listen to something real quick. I won't belabor it, because we need to move on. Um, Who'd you listen to? I listened to... The new No Name. No Name is a uh, female rapper. Uh, I would say rapper, but she's more kind of a spoke, spoken word artist. Uh, her new record, uh, Room 25, is out this week. It's very, very, very good. Uh, kind of jazzy, uh, jazz-influenced hip-hop with spoken word poetry. It's very, very, very good. Uh, so check that out if that sounds good to you. Okay. All right, let's move on. Uh, speaking of those, um, real briefly, uh, Lauren Ray. That's a new single out. She's yeah, I heard there's a freaking song that's ten minutes long. It is. That she put out. I meant to listen to that today, but I didn't I got three minutes into it. The grass was yeah. ten minutes and then changed it. <laughs> and then um, yeah, Eric know. Church put out a new song, oh. part of his new uh, album. Okay. Uh, we're going to get into that once the whole album comes out. So we'll talk about that next time. Yeah. Or whenever. 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 All right, let's move on then. Uh, let's stop talking about music. Let's talk about video games. Okay, it's video game time. We got new releases. New releases. We have Legendary Fishing on PlayStation 4 and Switch. Labyrinth of Refrain, colon, Coven of Dusk for PlayStation 4 and Switch. Fishing Sim World, big week for fish. Double fishing. <laughs> yeah, for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. The Gardens Between, maybe there's pools in there where you can fish, uh, with PlayStation 4 <laughs> and Switch. Those are your new releases, and our big <coughs> one of our one of two big stories this week in video games was with Nintendo. Last week we talked about how their big Nintendo Direct had been delayed due to natural uh, due weather issues, um, uh, natural occurrences in Japan. Well, that event finally happened. Nintendo made some pretty crazy announcements. Uh, first up in the docket, they announced a third Luigi's Mansion game that will be released for Switch. Yeah. They uh, announced money, money, money. Be, um, following up on my prediction last last week, I was right, except for platform. I guess platform incorrectly. Right. But there will indeed be a remaster of the first Katamari Damacy game called yes. Katamari Damacy Reroll, except it will be on Switch and PC. Yes. Uh, we announced that they got the domain name for this two yes. weeks ago, before the what was supposed to be the um, the original launch, right, or the, the Nintendo Direct, yes. But yeah, uh, Karamashi, uh, you 
played that donut county got you back to Katamari. Yes, it really did. Yes. So I'm excited to, to pick this up when it comes out because I love Katamari. No, that's sorry, that's the second game. Yes. Reworld? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, that was a joke because the second Katamari game was called We Love Katamari. Oh. That was the joke. Anyway. Look at that go over my head. Yep. Wow. <laughs> All right. Um, also announced a uh, new Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe is going to be a re-release of the new Super Mario Brothers U game Wii U on the Switch. Also, uh, Square Enix is bringing over some Final Fantasy games to Switch, which is notable because this means that this will be the first time that Final Fantasies 7, 9, 10, and... 12. 12, yeah, not 13. Yeah, 7, 9, 10, and 12 will be released for a Nintendo home console. So, uh, oddly missing here is 8. 8. No one knows why 8 is not included in this, but uh, time will tell. But yes, if you've always wanted, if you've been a Nintendo stalwart and never played those Final Fantasies, here's your opportunity. Um, Also announced was a a new character for Super Smash Bros. uh, Ultimate. I forgot what the U was for for a second. Uh, Super <laughs> for you. Ultimate La- Isabel from Animal Crossing, which of course was the lead up to the big announcement at the direct. There will be a new Animal Crossing game sometime in 2019 for the Switch. Yeah. Everybody already knew that was that. Oh yeah. That was happening. Yeah, everyone knew that was happening. Um, another brief uh, news from the direct. Um, there was an update released for Mario Tennis Aces. Mm-hmm. You can now play as Birdo, among other characters. Uh, that That's were nice for this. Yes. And one of the big things they talked about was their online. Yes, uh, confirmed. So two days ago now, the 18th of September, uh, or one day, I guess, um, yesterday. That day. Uh, was day one for the uh, uh, Nintendo Internet uh, Solution. We already covered it here. If you have a Switch and you want to play it online, from now on, you need to pay a price for it. It's $20 for a year. There is a family plan for $35 that you can split five ways, uh, or up to seven ways, I think. Um, There's also a month-by-month if you want to do it that way. Uh, Regardless, you will need to pay for access to online play for games such as Mario Tennis Aces or Splatoon 2, as well as future releases that will involve online modes. You also... Uh, as a member of this program, we'll get access to 20 or 15, I forget the number, of uh, classic NES games. Um, I did not get a chance to try it out and see what games that's included, uh, but maybe in a little before next weekend, I'll give you guys some uh, direct feedback for that. Those games will include uh, new online functionality as well, as well as new multiplayer functionality, but don't get too excited. All that means is that Player 2 can be a cursor on your screen showing you stuff i guess if you want to show some the example that i was given on a podcast today was somebody's playing super mario brothers and the other person can be like hey look at that goomba don't get hit okay but that's it so that's it um so that's what was on the nintendo direct no uh word about the yoshi game uh no word about metroid prime and uh yeah some weird stuff that wasn't talked about. But yeah, other than that, uh, a pretty solid showing. Yeah, it was a good showing. Um, oh, and there's going to be NES controllers uh, that work like Joy-Cons. Now, snap to Oh, yes, that's the other thing. But you can only buy them if you're a member of this internet program. Right. Um, other than that, yeah. I don't think anything else big Nintendo-wise. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, good news. 
Right, let's move on. Another uh, Japanese in, uh, video game company, Capcom, is making news, but not of the great variety. Oops, no. They're shutting down their Vancouver studio. Uh, the Vancouver studio over at Cop Capcom was responsible for, mostly for, the Dead Rising series from 2 onward. They developed yeah. Dead Rising 2, 3, and 4, uh, but now all their development projects that were in process are now canceled. And they will now, as a company, Capcom will concentrate development of major titles to just Japan. Yes. Uh, Capcom Vancouver was also in charge of the mobile game Puzzles and Dragons, or Dragon oh, Puzzle. Oh, okay. That was their big hit that they were working, that they've been slowly accruing money from. Yeah. Studio already was hit with layoffs back in February, and now roughly 158 people lose their jobs due to this shutdown. A skeleton crew will remain to finalize closure operations and logistics until January 2019. So as usual, uh, we hope everybody who lost their jobs finds their feet very quickly in the yep. volatile industry. But uh, check out EA Vancouver. They have a studio out there, so hopefully a lot of people will make the lateral move up there. Yeah, there's a lot of studios in Vancouver. It's kind of like the second game hub. But it's getting expensive to live there. Oh, it I is. Understand. It's, it's kind of Canadian. Can Canadian. It's, 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 it's kind of Canada's version of the Bay Area. It's Canada's LA. Yeah. Or I would say San Francisco. Big yeah. tech. It's a big tech industry. Yeah, but also a lot of things shoot there, too. That's true. That's what I call it. But everybody's moving down to Georgia now. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, YouTube. Me Not too? YouTube, but YouTube will be getting rid of its dedicated gaming site, YouTube Gaming, um, and moving within the main YouTube site. The platform, of course, was a rival of Twitch.tv, the most popular gaming streaming platform, and was launched back in 2015, but just could never get the numbers that Twitch had. Primarily because people still went to YouTube uh, because to watch other gaming videos. Right. The, the, they yeah. watched Let's Plays instead of uh, live, live streaming. streaming. Also, I think it was also YouTube's fault in the way because they would all, it's always really hard to find live things on your channels that you're looking yes. for. Especially channels that have a combination of pre-taped videos and live content. Mm -hmm. It's very, sometimes it's a pain to find if they're streaming live. If I was YouTube, I would put that to the top. It's 2018. Live stuff? Everybody is live. Well, they actually have it on their side, yeah. of the sidebar, where they have a live tab, so you can put a little stuff that's going yeah. live. Hopefully they're making those changes. But that right. was probably among the reasons why people were not convinced. Also, when you say YouTube gaming, like, yeah. well, just that's, do Twitch. Yeah, just do Twitch, yeah. Because Twitch basically has kind of cornered that market now. So yes, they're moving the entirety of YouTube gaming over to the existing site, and will now promote game-specific content and widen streamers within YouTube itself. They plan to retire the site, YouTube Gaming, by March 2019. Uh, yeah, there's nothing really substantial. Well, there was a couple of substantial stuff that they took from YouTube Gaming, uh, mainly the the black slash midnight mode, where YouTube went black in yeah. instead of white uh, for screen protection, right. uh, saving stuff, and um, general just promotion of uh, live stuff. General promotion of live stuff, mm -hmm. and allow people to subscribe and be uh, donate. Uh, straight to YouTubers. So, but, yeah, a lot of that should also be done via Twitch, which yeah. is why none of it, I mean, there's a lot more aspects of it, but there's nothing too memorable to say yeah. about YouTube gaming. And it makes sense um, that it's under, it's still under YouTube, the gaming aspect. It just never took off. They're just doing what they need to survive at this point. I think this is probably smarter. Yeah. Just 
consolidate. Yeah, stop confusing your 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 people. Just so, like figure out what brand you want everything to be under. Just call everything YouTube. Well, because this was part of YouTube's thing of doing YouTube, and they say time we lost YouTube Gaming, right. and YouTube Red, and YouTube Which is Live, now YouTube Premium, and, the, and so they just got yeah. rid of all that and just put it under YouTube Premium, one yeah. banner. Smart. Yeah, consolidate. It's uh, it's better for your brand. Yep. All right. Lastly, in video games, we have the news that hit this morning, which is exciting. Sony will be following suit after Nintendo by making a classic version of one of their consoles, just like Nintendo did. It's a mini. Yes, a classic PlayStation is on the way from Sony. Yes. Uh, It has been 25 years since the release of PlayStation. Can you believe that? Yes. Nearly. Actually, we're just south of 25. Uh, December. in um, December. December of 2019, not of this year. Of, of ne- the PlayStation debuted in Japan yeah. in '94, in right. December '94. So we would not be eligible for 25 years until technically next holiday. Technically season. next holiday. That being said, they're getting an early uh, celebration, as this will be probably by the end of this year. They have not actually given a date, but all signs point to yes. But yes, uh, we will get a PlayStation Classic console. It will be mini-sized, just like the Nintendo systems were. And it will also come preloaded with 20 games. Those 20 games include, as far so far, uh, Final Fantasy VII, Jumping Flash, Ridge Racer Type 4, Tekken 3, and Wild Arms. The rest of the 20 have yet to be announced, but we have some thoughts about which ones there probably are. Yeah, so they're not going to be major releases like either Crash or Spyro. Eh, it's possible. I'd say it's still possible. But, but they those just got re-released. Spyro right. will be harder because that will be a product on shelves this Christmas. Right. Whereas Crash, yeah, they could probably do Crash 1. Maybe. I can see that. Uh, so we're talking about... No, do Crash Team Racing. I can see Crash Team Racing <laughs> with uh, two controllers. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, it'll ship with it'll two It'll be their Mario Kart, to say. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, you can also get some Twisted Metal, possibly. Twisted Metal will likely be one of them, I think. Uh, I think you're right. Um, but yeah, as for the rest, well, it's kind of anyone's uh, game here to guess what they will pick for the rest of the 20. I'm trying to think of like popular games, like maybe Medieval. But I think yeah, they're they're already doing a remaster of that. remaster that, too. It's just, like, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. But yeah, we'll it's, find it's out. The, it's, it's hard to, to, to determine what it is going to be, because if it's not getting a remaster... It probably wasn't that memorable to begin with. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. I know. But yeah, yeah uh, so if you're curious about the details for this thing, like I said, we do not know a release date, but we do know that it will be the system. Um, it will have two c- controllers. I want to note that they are original PlayStation controllers and not yes. analog controllers or DualShocks. This means, presumably, they will not have vibration and they will not have analog control, which means that games based around the analog control, such as Ape Escape, will not be compatible. Uh, there were later PlayStation games that I think that were compatible with both versions of the controller. I think uh, Metal Gear Solid being one of them. There's probably another likely candidate for this thing. Uh, so it, that will also kind of put a limit on games. That essentially gives them a year a brick wall basically to stop at unfortunately to yeah. where things just went analog so yeah it'll be interesting right because I remember my first PlayStation had analog right. and when I saw one without them I was like that, that like, looks what's weird what's this but yeah um, it will be released with an HDMI cable a USB cable but the box notes that it will not have the actual AC adapter right 
So this means that you'll have to have like one of your cell phone chargers or some sort of AC adapter with USB in order to plug this thing into a wall. Which kind of sucks. Or you have to buy one. But I feel like at this point maybe most people do. Or maybe they're banking on most people having those. Uh, HDMI cable, of course, to connect to the television. I think I'll come with the power cable. Well, no. That's what I'm saying is the box that they released art of says you won't. That's confirmed. Oh, okay. It has the USB cable, but nothing to plug the USB into. Right. So you have to have your own. I know. It's, it's not crazy. Gonna, it's not gonna be that hard to find one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is I feel like they think they think you can get away with that now. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and then uh, it will be. And lastly, of course, the price. Uh, it will be ninety nine ninety nine. So hundred snackers, which is much more than the Nintendo ones were. Right. Nintendo came out at sixty. Uh, uh sixty nine. It was 70 and then 80. 80 for the, for the, for the Super uh, yeah. NES. So yeah, so 100, $100, bucks. 100 bones. I don't know if I would do that though. 100 bones? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's got to be something worthwhile. I'm just waiting for Nintendo to re-release the Super NES one. That's the only one I want. You know what should be on there? Chrono Trigger. That was not originally a PlayStation game. Doesn't matter. That was a Super NES game? Don't matter. Uh, yeah, I think it would actually would in this case because I... being an original, originally a Super NES game, Nintendo has a piece of that pie. Yeah. There was a remap, like a re-release for the PlayStation that I think was bundled with some other That's uh, probably Square what I'm thinking title of. Or Square title at the time. Was. Well, no. Chrono Trigger is weird because it was a Square Enix crossover game before Square and Enix were the same game. Or same company. Right. So it makes it weird. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if that would be one of them. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, because I was, I was thinking Earthbound, but that's Nintendo. That's also Nintendo. I still think of, like, a big game. It would be a big get. <laughs> that, that's not the question, Final Fantasy Seven. Yeah, they already got that one. It's the one you want. Uh, but, yeah. All right. Well, that's it for video game news. I'm sure when we find out more about that, we will follow up with oh, yeah. details. Uh, but yeah, uh, as for that, that means that we are uh, done with video games and we are done with Media Build Podcast. Uh, just a quick wrap-up. I did end up beating Spider-Man. Yes. Marvel. Uh, Insomniac's Marvel Spider-Man. Yes. We, yes. Uh, we kind of talked that game to death, but yes, you finished it. Yeah, I you finished still the story. Like it. I still like it. I have some words about it that I probably will save for end of the year. Because this thing is definitely going to be a top five end of the year Media Boat Podcast Gaming, which is coming up soon. We're a couple months out from that uh, as we come to uh, come to wrap up 2018. Yeah. But uh, overall, Spider-Man is a great game. I would think that if they did not get that swinging mechanic right, that game <laughs> would have failed. Yes, that swinging mechanic. Not that swinging mechanic. No, not that swinging mechanic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, it's super fun to just swing around uh, New York City. I platinumed up that game. I 100%ed all the trophies. Yeah. I 100%ed everything in the city. Um, I did not do all the hidden photos, but apparently you don't need to do all that. Uh, but I kind of just swing around New York and just try and find it because it's fun. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, I think one thing we didn't talk up enough was the photo mode. Yeah. Because it's great. I love the photo mode in here. I love the costumes in it. It's an overall great game. Definitely grab it. If you have a PlayStation, it's one of those must-owns. Oh, yeah. I just think that in terms of story, in terms of themes that it's going for, it could have been a lot 
tighter of a story. Sure. That being said, it's definitely top-notch, like, near-perfect game. Especially for a Spider-Man, especially for any comic book. And just video games in general, Insomniac hit this one out of the park. Well done. I look forward. Now, now I'm kind of regretting not getting the extra stuff, because I kind of want to jump back on this thing. Yeah. Immediately. But they did announce that there, there will be a new game plus. There will be new game plus. It will come uh, later this year. Yeah. They are currently working on it, so look for new game plus probably December, holiday season. Yeah, I've been meaning to get back into that, but every time I do uh, finish, finally finish what I've been doing after work, it's 9 o'clock. Well, yeah, but you start playing. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know how you get on Twitter for five hours. I don't do just Twitter <laughs> for five hours. More like 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, okay, cool. So Spider-Man's still good. Pick it up. Yep, Spider-Man's still good. that will do it for video games. That will do it for the Media Boat Podcast. All right, so let's wrap it up and let's plug away. Let's plug away. So if you want to see more of us, well, good news, we're live every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. If you want to catch us live, we're on YouTube. Just search Media Boat Podcast. You'll find our channel. Subscribe, and you'll get us a notifications when we're live every week. You can also listen to the audio version of the podcast on wherever podcasts are found. This includes Apple Podcasts and any RSSSSSSSSS feed-driven podcast catcher you can imagine. Just type in Media Boat Podcast, and you'll probably find us. You can also find us on our website where our writing is. MediaBoatPodcast.com is the destination there. You can see uh, archived uh, reviews, our thoughts about certain things that came out last year, early this year. You can see old news stories and maybe some future stuff. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you can also uh, find us on social media. On Twitter, we're at MediaBoatCast. On Facebook, we have a page under MediaBoatPodcast. Search us on the Facebook search and you'll find us. And uh, we are on Twitch.tv when we stream video games. When he's playing Spider-Man, he'll be on Twitch.tv with that. You can also see archived footage of him playing Spider-Man on there, I believe, as well. Uh, you can also find us on Patreon, where you can help us with money. That'd be pretty cool. You can even donate as little as a dollar a month to help us make this content even better than it is. And... Everybody who gets onto the Patreon, someday we will make special content just for you. We don't even know what that is yet, because you haven't told us what you want. So pay us, tell us what you want to hear, and we'll make it for you. All right, that does it, and that is it for the Media Boat Podcast. Uh, just real briefly, a okay. uh, little endendum here. We'll probably have Marvel trailer drop. We didn't talk about it oh, because yeah, we, about we assume Marvel. you watch it because it's Marvel. It's uh, what you think that movie is going to be. And uh, uh, Brie Larson punches an old lady. Yeah, she does. So you'll slap some. <laughs> she slaps the old lady. Slaps the old lady. But it yeah, it looks great. Um, excited for that. We didn't really talk about too much of it because either you saw it and you watched it or you didn't and you didn't care. Either way, Marvel's next film is out and I think everyone's oh, kind trailer of... Trailer is out. Trailer's out and I think everyone's kind of waiting for Infinity War stuff more yeah. than the trailer. But yeah, that's out. It's great. Uh, and we're great and you're great for listening to us. So thank you, and we'll be back next week. We will. Bye. All right, bye-bye.